you dream of a classroom where learning is natural? Can we inspire students to lifelong learning? What exactly is the purpose of an education? Inspiring students to be curious, independent, creative, innovative, deep thinking, confident, proactive, collaborative, determined, educated. Rise to the challenge of changing the world. This is teaching. This is learning. This is who we are. Welcome to the Tabletop Inventing Podcast. How can 3D printers be used to enhance learning? What is the role of a teacher? And what doors does our digital world open to us? Listen in for the thought-provoking answers in today's podcast. Hey there, Innovation Nation. Today, you get to see behind the curtain at Tabletop Inventing as Debbie Curdy and I visit with students from her alma mater. Several Debbieisms pop up in this episode, which reminds me of one of Debbie's favorite quotes by Socrates. I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. Looking in from the outside, we tend to see education as a wise stage standing at the front of the room, doling out knowledge to the attentive rows of students at their desks. However, for thousands of years, some have believed that education is fundamentally an internal and very personal pursuit. That philosophy is at the core of what we do at Tabletop Inventing. We believe students need a great environment, engaging tools, and the space they need to explore. To find out how you or your child can sample such an experience this summer, visit ttinvent.com forward slash bootcamp now, or just visit ttinvent.com and click the Inventors Bootcamp button. Today on the show, we have a panel of four students from the Pepperdine Master of Arts in Learning Technologies, or MALT as the insiders call it. We take a deep dive on the role of a teacher and the power of maker technologies in the learning environment. So welcome to the Tabletop Inventing Podcast. I'm Steve Curdy, and uh, I will introduce uh, some students from the Master of Arts in Learning Technology at Pepperdine University. Uh, here we have Stephanie Wilkes and uh, Mars Severe. Uh, Debbie Curdy is part of our team here at Tabletop Inventing. Uh, we have Brian Song and Simon Petrie. And again, I'm Steve Curdy. And tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, why you're an educator, why you picked the program here at Pepperdine. So I come from the East Coast. <laughs> I moved out to California about 14 years ago. And when I came out to California, I was in New York, and I was an actor. So I came out to L.A. Uh, as an actor. And in the, in the past, before I came to L.A., I've done uh, a lot of children's theater touring. So it seems that my whole acting path leading up to kind of landing a job in an IT department and then getting into education, being a corporate trainer, still goes back to all of the skills that I acquired as a stage actor. So I, I became involved with the corporate training, and, uh, and I love working with people. So that kind of built upon itself. And then I thought, well, I really can do a lot of people some, some good. And that kind of sparked the education aspect of it and development into this program being a big stepping stone into that. So I'm kind of at the beginning of the journey a little bit, but uh, I've had this kind of pseudo, pseudo background working with people pretty much my whole life. Quite a, quite a, quite a 
You know, I actually find that really interesting because I've told Steve a thousand times, teaching is a performing art. I mean, when you get yeah. in front of the classroom, you're on, and that's you do your thing, yeah. and it really is a performing art. And I use a lot of the skills. Like I I've, uh, was involved with the Groundlings in L.A., cool. so I've done a lot of improv stuff right. with their school and their training, and that's been of immense help. Right. Because I can just, you, you know. You can just go. <laughs> they say, you know, they say just, you know, when you don't know, you wing it. Right. So I, I wing it. <laughs> no, that's very cool. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit about me. All right. Next. Right. Hi, I'm Brian. Why are just, you here? Oh, yeah, why am I here? <laughs> well, I've always uh, liked being around kids. They were less stressful than being around adults. And I don't know. I just figured my goal in life is to open up an orphanage somewhere in a third world country. But before that, it seems like I've met a lot of orphanage people that ran orphanages, and they're like 60 and 70. Mm -hmm. And I figured, man, maybe I have time until then, or maybe <laughs> I should go a little bit earlier. But before that, just to really know how kids learn and to really just give them a little slap on the back and say, hey, you can do all this. And I figured, you know what, I want to I be a teacher. Uh, I don't want to be a college professor or any of that sort. I want to start them young and say, hey, you know, you don't have to be super duper duper smart to do things in life. You know, I, all you have to do is just be interested in a certain subject and just go with it and run with it. And I think a teacher, more than teaching, I think their job is to just spurt them on a little bit, just give them a little encouragement. And, man, even if I'm lying, I'm really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at that kind of stuff, you know. So that's why I joined this program because, for one, technology is everywhere for you to not use technology that's being irresponsible for all the materials we have mm -hmm. and it was only one year I can't stay in school for two years so, <laughs> so this was it just being completely honest okay so I'll just do a quick introduction I am um, cadre 5 alumni and I, I have to tell you it was the highlight of my day yesterday when I said that and there was like this gasp like <gasps> wow you know, Bill was in it before I was, so he's even older. Well, he's actually not older, but he's older in the program than I am. But I know I picked this program. At the time, there weren't too many online programs. Same thing, it was a year. I thought I can do a year, mostly online. So that worked out. I had five kids at home, and I uh, was working full-time. And, you know, I thought maybe I can do this. But more than anything, I had, there were um, three professors at my college that were in the doctoral program. And for at least one of them, I was helping them edit their papers. And so I thought, this looks really interesting, like what is this all about? And what really attracted me was the leadership aspect. It wasn't how to use technology, it was how to lead with technology. That's what attracted me in it, to it, and by the end of it, I was really pleased with where we had gone with that. And honestly, it's just open doors that I never even knew were there. So that's why I was in the program. Hi, I'm Mar Severe, and I also started on the East Coast many, many years ago came to California from the Navy and became part of the high-tech industry here a long time ago. I think I've been pretty much educating and being a teacher most of my life. I was never really satisfied with what my sons were learning in school, and so I would fill their heads with world events, things I'd learned. I would enjoy movies like Terminator and other futuristic end-of-world things because the science and the physics behind it made sense and we could discuss it. I always believed that young people really understood more than adults believe they understood and I've practiced that. 
now I'm at a place where I'm in a good high-tech company and I want to take the skills that I'm gathering from this course to help them. I chose the Pepperdine course because I just think it's a great college. I love the idea of one year. That's awesome. But I know I needed more skills. There was just, I had a lot of things in my head, but I didn't know how to actually put them into place to help continue teaching people, especially in the kinds of high-tech world we're in, the technologies and the changes. I wanted more, and I, I felt this was the right place to get it. My name is Stephanie Wilkes, and I'm not currently an educator, but I've always really enjoyed helping people, and I used to get in trouble in elementary school because when people didn't understand what was going on, I would lean over and, you know, be like, oh, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. And so I've always liked helping people. I've always liked reaching out and making sure that everybody's staying ahead of the game. And I definitely came to Pepperdine for reasons that are different from what from why I stayed in Pepperdine. I chose Pepperdine originally because I'm the first person in my family to pursue a, a higher, a traditional higher education. And so I didn't really know where to go after I finished my bachelor's degree. And I was told about Pepperdine and the person who told me was like, this is the only program you should look at. Don't go anywhere else. <laughs> and I'm really glad that he said that. Was that an alumni? Yes. Bill Meredith. Oh, okay. He was a doctoral student, though. Bill Meredith or Ben Meredith? Ben Meredith. Thank I you. I actually know him. He's the, yeah. one of the professors of Portable College that I worked with. Oh, yeah. And now he's and at he's Eastern. Yeah. yeah. That's where I met him. Oh, that's And so <laughs> I, s I started for reasons of, you know, I wanted to do instructional design. But since I came here, I found a project of you know, helping people with low confidence, learning issues, and that's sort of my path now is to help people build confidence and work with adult learners who've been scarred by bad events in their education and to make sure that in their adult life they're finding that motivation and st sticking with it. So I just want to make sure that people don't feel left behind after being put in a no-left-behind situation. <laughs> mention that because you mentioned you wanted to work with the younger kids to catch them you know as they're going into the system but I like teaching community college for what you just said because for me community college is like the K-1 of higher ed and they come through 12 years and they're, they're scarred very often you know I tell my students the one question you don't ask me is what do I need to know to pass the test and I really feel like at that level you make an impact and they decide okay this college thing I can do or I can't and so you get a chance to really make a difference at that level. So I, I, can, uh, I can appreciate where you're at with that. So we're actually, Debbie and I are here uh, because yesterday we did a little maker event uh, for the MALT program here. I'm interested in some of your responses. Um, how many of you guys, you know, just for the audience sake here, how many of you guys have had, you know, before yesterday used a 3D printer, Arduino, or been to a maker space? I had never done any of that. Never. Perfect. Perfect. This is the exact audience I was I was looking for. So after your first impression of this, and, and knowing what you know, you know now coming through the malt program, and you're about what, halfway through now, what do you feel are the capabilities of a hands-on maker approach when uh, teaching and learning? Okay. I was thoroughly impressed. I had, okay. I'd seen 3D printers on TV, but I had never use one. I never realized how straightforward it was to implement or anything. And I was, I was thinking this. 
this has so many different aspects. The software, the hardware is great, the end product, but just being able to, to see it and to do it, I'm thinking, wow. High school, obviously, they, they can really use it, but the younger, the better, because it wasn't so difficult that a third grader could actually jump in and enjoy it. Well, I, you know, I know you guys have had more practice with that one, but outside of just creating something dumb, there are some skills that they have to have, keyboarding, software, to be able to make it work. I, I loved it. I'd love to be able to do that at home, but with, you know, my grandkids, but, you know, I just think it's awesome. Uh, truthfully, I was a little bit mystified because I never had seen a 3D printer. I knew that they existed, obviously, because if you don't know they exist by this point, I think you don't have, yeah, you live in a cave. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know how they work. I have no idea, no concept, no basis to begin to understand how they work. So seeing them actually working, how relatively simple compared to, I mean, I don't even know how a printer necessarily works a normal one because I can't see the pieces moving. And getting to see it out of a box, what it's actually doing was pretty amazing. And it didn't take very long to make simple things. Even some pretty complicated looking things didn't take very long to make. And I really, like Mars was saying, littler kids can use them. You could use it to help to teach them about polymers and like plastics and how they bend and how density affects the strength of an object and there's so many different lessons encompassed in such a relatively simple looking process and then taking that into a more complex process I liked how you built us up to it too you know working with just batteries and some lights and then working with some pipe cleaners and then just letting us print these things out and playing with the ball of clay 3D software. That was really great for building us up to that whole thing. And so I think it could teach kids a lot of various things that they wouldn't even realize they're learning. I think one of the one of the really neat things about yesterday was I could see, because I, I work with adults, I don't work with kids, but it seems like this the whole 3D printing pulls ideas and concepts from this kind of ephemeral, you know, let's learn equations and let's learn, you know, theories into tangible, hands-on elements. So when, when kids say, when they're, when they're being taught, and they're like, well, why is this relevant to me? I don't, see, I don't see why I should be even learning this. I mean, this just seems like dumb numbers and stuff. It's like, well, because in about five minutes, you're going to hit a button, and you're going to actually be able to hold the, the item that you have created using all these theories and using all these equations that you've been learning. So it just makes learning very in the moment. And that's what I thought was really fascinating with that. And then uh, going beyond that, in terms of me actually wanting to have one in my home, <laughs> um, um, which is, was, the, was the idea of being able to come up with ideas and create and not have to send something out to a third-party factory to be, you know, to have a model sent back and see, is that where I want to continue developing a, a product or, or a concept? And then I also thought of other ideas with artistic pursuits and the how the creativity of basically mathematical architecture being able to be physicalized is fascinating. Yeah, that's so, I'm kind of so the tools aside, the technology aside, how is the thinking different? Like how would this type of thing impact how you might think creatively or how I might think creatively uh, about well, does this sort of spur on a different type of thinking than just doing 100 geometry problems in a book? 
Yeah, I, th I think it kind of blows out a lot of barriers, and it makes you, and it allows you the ability to say, well, what if? Which is, I think, such a powerful thing in schools is like, well, what if I did this? What if I did that? You know, would it be, would it work? Would it break? Would it be, would it be ugly? Let's see. You know, so it I think it can remove a lot of those barriers, and it's not rote anymore. It's actually you're creating something that's, you know, amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, something that Simon was saying. I'm going to go back onto your question. Is it's actually true? I love theory, and I'll do it all day long. History. It. it I just. It just makes sense to me. But once I got past the theory, once I could actually turn it on and get it running. Then I could actually start doing something. Like we tried, we tried negative numbers, just to see what would happen. I wouldn't try that in some other stuff I do because I'm working. I'm trying to keep my life going. I don't want to screw it up. I just want it to work so I can get the thing I need done. But as an education, as a, as it was actually relaxing. I could just do something and not have to worry about it. Try a negative number. Try anything. I think he's on the right track. It's get past the theory. Just enjoy it. And you learn more. So I, I'm actually going to turn the tables on you here in just a second so you can pass the microphone back here. So you're talking about in a traditional educational sense, but you work with corporate training and, and that type of environment. So think to the companies that you work with. If you were having a discussion, maybe a, a design question or maybe you had a, a production issue, how would you use this type of a technology to encourage uh, maybe learning or innovation or you know maybe an immediate solution to a problem or facilitating better communication in a business environment. That is turning the tables on me. <laughs> <laughs> so in using this in adult education, I think you know maybe some of the same things apply where it breaks you out of a mold of how to think and solve problems. So if you're dealing with interpersonal <coughs> issues or development of uh, of a career path or a solution within business, it might be that that whole idea of, you know, if you're concentrating on one thing, it frees up the mind to solve other things while you're doing it. So I don't have a precise answer, but I think, it, you know, if the, if, if the solution process of creating something using a 3D printer follows kind of the same steps that you would take to solve an issue that might be interpersonal, then that might be a way to go. I think I, I even said yesterday that, that I can't really see a 3D printer being working in my current environment, but the idea of creativity and thinking of solutions in different ways is the learning about learning. I'm kind of curious because, Brian, you said you were interested in orphanages, and, I mean, those are the kids that tend to be marginalized and, you know, they don't have the picture perfect or they wouldn't be in an orphanage in the first place, right? I mean, what do you think about this idea of, and it's actually, it's, like I said, it's not about the technology. We keep talking about that. But you guys started off with index cards and pipe cleaners and did some pretty interesting things with that. So it's kind of this whole idea of making and tinkering. And do you think that has a role with the kids that you might end up working with? Oh, definitely. I think um, even before just going and talking about the orphanage, kids from the, from the orphanages and such, I think that a lot of kids in the classroom their attitude is, yeah, whatever, dude. That's their whole thing. And I can relate because basically I'm that, I was that kid. And even still in these classes, some of the things, like, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter, you know. But 
those kids, if you just give them a little bit of spark, a little bit of something, they run with it. I mean, they're no different than anybody else. They just, you just need to reach them somehow. And ideally, how school should run, uh, what I think, you know, would happen is you give them that spark, and then right after, you give them the avenue where they can try things so that they say, oh, man, I, I can do this, I can do that, and you start thinking. But what happens in the classroom is you just kind of shove information down, hopefully, in hoping that the spark is there, and then you go home and that you expect them to do something at home. But what they want to do is nothing. Nothing that pertains to school. Nothing that pertains to learning. Nothing official. Nothing official. Right. So I, I really like the whole hands-on thing because when I, saw, like when I saw it on YouTube, I tie that in as you know a classroom, somebody showing me what's going on. I go, oh, that's cool. But whatever. <laughs> you, know, you know, it doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> but then now that I see it, and I mean, you know, my my ideas started flowing, and like the first thing I wanted to do was make a knife. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'll make a knife <laughs> or a sword or whatnot. But and then I started thinking about, oh, you can make this, you can make that, and it, it can make my life easier. And you know, these days that's how you make money. Right. How do you make your life a little easier? And and even though it might be just about money, but you're really just expanding your imagination. You're thinking about this. You're thinking about that. And yeah, I really think that if kids in the classroom that are like that can be spurred on this in this manner, imagine kids that nobody wanted. Right. You know, just even that little more, they'll be. I think they'll take it and embrace it, and they'll run with it. I mean, I can't say it a lot further, but I know that they will. You know. They'll give them an idea. They can do something. Yeah, they can do something. Make what a was, difference. What was that? There's a story that we've heard, and I can't remember. We've heard so many stories, but there was a. A kid that was a real kind of a troublemaker, you know, problems in school and, Dennis you know, <laughs> like Dennis Menace, but in real trouble, I guess. And he got access to some of this type of technology, and it just really clicked with him. And he's like, wow, this is really cool. And he started making things for his family, you know, like gifts and little projects and things. Yeah, and who was that? I don't, can't remember where that was. But, but it kind of took this kid who turned around and was a total consumer, like sucked up all the resources you know, because people are trying to manage him and get him to, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And when he got access to this, you know, he probably didn't do that right at first, but then things started clicking, like, wow, I could make this for, you know, my stepmom or foster dad, or I can't remember the exact situation, but, and it just totally turned around this idea of becoming, instead of a consumer, becoming a creator, which I think is a very empowering, powerful tool. Well, I mean, with the, I mean, that kind of segues into our, um, next couple of questions. With digital technologies, we have a tendency, you know, as you know, parents or educators, you know, to look at it and we almost immediately see, well, we're going to have this issue, we're going to have these other issues, and there's this problem, you know, and, and certainly there are pitfalls in any technology when you introduce it to a, a learning environment. But what kinds of possibilities does it open up having access to? you know, Google and Wikipedia and 3D printers and, you know, other maker technologies. What what doors does this digital world open to us in education? I think it opens up more specifically the open source stuff like Wikipedia and Google that they can just access it with relative ease. I mean, not everybody can access it, obviously, but um, the fact that it's much more available, it provides children who don't have anybody, who don't have resources on their own, the access to information that they maybe wouldn't normally have access to. However, 
there's also that factor of if they don't know what to look for, they may not go looking for anything. So I think it opens up a lot of avenues for people who do have people like Brian who want to help kids in orphanages. They do. It helps to have people like me who or Debbie who want to show them these resources and you guys taking this across the country when you travel and do your your 3D. Yeah, your dog and pony show. Um, so I think it it does give more people access and more children access to information that they didn't know existed even, which I know was really helpful for me coming from a pretty small town of like 40,000 people. The things you could be were a pastor, a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, or a teacher. That was that was kind of what you grew up knowing. Or something in technology. Like they didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> what those jobs were. And so having that access more readily available, even just one piece of information to lead you there, it helps kids like me get out of small towns and go find programs like this. But I also think that there's a responsibility to give people resources that help them understand the information there too. So does that make sense? Yeah. I was going to touch on that because in my in my own education, if it hadn't been for some of the resources within Google, and I always have been a learner, want to know more, I don't think I could have even moved in my career as far as I've moved. Being able to actually find written material on Linux and material on software development has helped me immensely outside of the education I got actually in college and, and in the Navy. I couldn't have moved. And I know that it, if it worked for me, who's on this side of the uh, digital divide, I would love to be able to help others on the other side of the digital divide move over because this is empowering. And it's what has been able to drive me and to help me move forward in my own life. I just I want to uh, kind of piggyback on what, on what you're saying. I, I agree completely. I think for the self-motivated learner that the, the Internet and technologies level a playing field, that you, you can go as far as you want to go. It also raises the same question of where where does self-motivation and that push you know come from, and how do we get people to engage uh, in that way, which is, like, I guess, a, a very large part of what our, our program is trying to help us uh, achieve. But I, I completely, completely agree. It opens the playing field and opens up opportunities for both adult learners and for kids. I, I, of course, you know, of course it's going to open many, many, many doors, but I think um, we do still need a, a mediator or somebody that's there just, just to say, hey, these are out there, Check, take a look at this, take a look at that, because if there, nobody does that, being a kid, they're, they're not going to want to do it. So resources are there, we just need people that are passionate about something that could just let that passion be contagious. Just spark it. Yeah, to spark it. Well, you know, I, I'm... Well, I watched... The Temple Grandin movie. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I was up at Cal Poly Pomona in November for a homeschool field trip, and we're sitting there eating lunch at the farm store there, and Temple Grandin walks out. Like there was a co little conference, and she walked out, and I, I was probably the only one that knew who she was, because I've seen her um, TED Talks on autism and things. So she walked out, and I, 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 like, I just had to go over and say hi. You know, I couldn't pass that up. So anyhow, last night we watched the movie. And for me, I mean, her path is amazing, where she started and where she is now. 
But what struck me the most is that I think it was in high school, her high school science teacher, he was the guy. Like She was the trouble kid. She has autism, like things freak her out and all this other stuff. He was the teacher that said, there's something different, not bad different. There's something special about this. She can see things that other people can't see and think in ways other people can't think. And even, you know, so he basically took her under his wing for this whole, through her high school and her first semester in college was very disruptive for her. And it got to the point where something had happened and she she called him. She's like, I, you know, can I come back? I don't want to go forward. And he made this comment about, you know, just look at these as doors. You, you know, you're just walking. This is just a door. It, it's a door to something better on the other side. You may not know what that is right now, but you have to walk through the door. And that became a theme for her whenever she got stuck on something. She would visualize this door. And even, you know, she went on to graduate school. She's got a PhD. She's basically internationally known, not for her work, well, for her work in autism, but her work with cattle and the whole livestock industry, humane treatment of animals, because she can see things in ways that other people never noticed. And, and they found out that's good business. You know, if you treat the animals well, they don't panic and die and, you know, all this other stuff. So it's better for business. But she kept coming back to this teacher. You know, and I was teared up at several points in this movie because I was just thinking, wow. Because you know, as a teacher, you don't know. Sometimes you have no idea. You know, you teach people, they go off, you never see them again, and you don't know. You know, but she kept kind of touching base back with this guy, and he even, he died eventually. Like, she had just gone to see him in graduate school, and it seemed like it wasn't very much longer after that. Like, within a week, he, he died. He'd had some disease, you know, and, you know, it was pretty impactful. So it is interesting that you guys are in this position as technology leaders to really inspire and make a huge difference uh, in the people that you work with, whether they're kids in an orphanage or, you know, corporate people or, you know, whatever the range is, you can make a difference. Well, I mean, and every once in a while as a teacher, I guess you get this opportunity to see, you know, a keyhole view of one student's life. Right, once in a while. And, and I actually went out with one of Debbie's former students last night to our to our event last night. And, you know, he's gone from being a teenager, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate a, a community college class for the first time to being a successful manager at a large corporation. And he's so good that people go out and recruit him for his next job. He's not gone looking for a job in, in several years because they keep coming to him. And it's kind of gratifying as a teacher to believe that you had, even if it's just a little piece of that, that you had some impact on helping that student look in a different direction. So I'd like to, to wrap this because we we're running a little low on time. And we'll just start at this end and work our way back around. And the question I always like to ask in our podcast uh, is and wrap up with is what is the purpose of an education? Question. A big question. No, no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Everybody knows my name now too. <laughs> Good luck getting a job. No. Uh, <laughs> education. I don't think it's one thing for everyone. Really, I think it's something different for everyone. For some people, it you know, learning skills to help them for their job, which they may or may not love. But I do think that it can also be sitting down and reading tons and tons of books and just having a bunch of knowledge. And in different settings, that's good. And in different settings, just having skills is not good. 
but I do think the purpose of education, whether it's formal or informal education, is meant to inspire people to look beyond themselves, and it's meant to give people an insight to something they may not have known existed before, or a point of view they didn't know existed. It's meant to spark something in them to either pursue an interest or to help others. And like I said, it's different for everybody. It's about what intrinsically motivates you. But I think that it's definitely case by case. Education, I, I don't remember where I read it, but I will have to say that education is definitely a society passing on prior knowledge to a new generation. It's the way it has been. It's the way it's going to continue. The method or how that society passes it on may change with the technology, but that's what education is about. Having a society that's more involved with a desire to learn is better than having a society that's more beaten down or restricted in what they can learn or being forced into a certain uh, dogma or uh, political stance because some hierarchical group has decided education should be free because any society that has been relevant in the last thousand years has had a group of people that have been able to move it to flourish. The Greeks, the Romans, the Renaissance, those were all freely, those were all free. People wanted to learn and grow. We're in the same place. I think we're actually on the verge or over the cusp of a brand new Renaissance that can't succeed unless people embrace self-learning and continue to educate themselves and move our society forward. It sounds like you're, you're saying also that, that that really, that attitude spurs on innovation, spurs yes. on creativity. It's the, only, it's the only attitude it does because without it, I mean, oh my God, our history is littered with societies that have faltered and, and disappeared. There was no innovation. There was no change. And I will not get into all the things that I can talk on that, but yeah. It would be a different podcast. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, there's so many different situations and just instances where education can be so, such, so many different ideas, but if I can just generalize it and just say it in a couple words, I think education is here to make things easier, faster, and better, either for you or for somebody else. So for me, I, I think education and we're talking about the purpose of education, I think is to ask questions. Because if we're looking at lifelong learners and we get to the end of a course, we get to the end of a day, or we get to the end of an, a lecture, the best outcome you can have is to have people walk away with more questions. Because that continues the conversation, whether or not it's internal or external. And that's what is the, the catalyst for growth and for change and for innovation, is finding those questions and then looking for the answers, which are more questions. So to me, that's what I feel the purpose of education is about, is, is to encourage that motivation and question-asking muscle, you know, develop that. Well, thank you guys for taking a few minutes. Uh, I will return you to your regularly scheduled programming. I think your professor will be in in a few minutes. And he just oh, he's he just got always been lurking in the corner. Thank you for taking a few minutes. And I know uh, at least one or two of you have a, a blog or some other way to uh, speak out to the world. And we, we'll link that up in the show notes. You just share that with us. Thank you guys. That was fun. Thanks a lot. If you've been enjoying the conversations and insights here on the podcast, share it with a friend. 
great ideas demand to be shared. You can also help fellow parents and educators by subscribing to the Tabletop Inventing Podcast in iTunes, leaving a rating, and writing a review. If you use Android, subscribe, leave us a rating, and write a review in Stitcher. Links to subscribe can be found at www.ttinvent.com podcast. Contact us, and we'll think through the comments and answer your questions here in the podcast. And be sure to let us know if you'd like a shout-out or to remain anonymous. You can share your comments and questions at www.ttinvent.com podcast or by emailing us at podcast at ttinvent.com. Let's discuss your thoughts and questions. Join us again next time when we will again seek to answer the question, what is the purpose of an education? And as educators, how do we awaken the inventor in each of our students? Thank you.